are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Coro is all-in-one cyber security folks that help you get up to speed quickly, serving over 13,500 mid-market customers. They just broke uh, 18 million bucks in AR as of the end of 2022, hoping to 300% grow that 300% this year, which means they would need to add about, uh, what is that, about $36 million of new AR. He says they're on track to do that. They just raised another uh, Series C plus, we'll call it, 75 million bucks at around a 600 million valuation. His team is growing, a lot of talent, 297 folks with concentration up there in Chicago as they look to continue to scale across their three key channels. Hey, folks, my guest today is Dror Lewer. He is a serial entrepreneur and investor who took two companies public, sold three, and is now building the world's fastest-growing cybersecurity company at Coro.net. It's enterprise-grade cybersecurity for the mid-market. Dror, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely, Nathan. All right. So for, before we get into the, the, the sort of the customer profile, the product updates over the last year, you did come on the show about a year ago. And I remember you said, uh, quote, Nathan, we're targeting 18 million run rate target by the end of 2022. So my first question is, did you beat your goal? We did beat our goal. <laughs> okay. Now tell us, tell us how you did it. What, what are your customers using you for and how are you growing? So um, first of all, our customers are the... Uh, neglected people in the world of cybersecurity. So the entire cybersecurity industry is focused either on the very rich, the enterprise Fortune 500, or the consumer market. Nobody's focused on the economic backbone of the American economy, the mid-market companies uh, that are actually uh, 65% of the GDP. Uh, Mm -hmm. We focus on these guys and we provide them with enterprise grade security in a way that they can actually implement uh, and uh, protect themselves. So we've solved the four biggest problems that they've had and our growth, which has been 300% uh, year over year for the past four years straight uh, with this year expected to be yet another uh, 300% uh, growth. Um, has shown. Do you think you'll break for a forty million run rate by December? Um. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean that that would right that would be three hundred percent year eighteen million twenty twenty two. So three hundred percent year over year growth would be somewhere above forty forty five million. Yeah. So our expectation is to beat that number. Um. And and the main reason is we are in this really um unusual perfect storm where. On the one hand side, the attackers are changing course and now attacking the mid-market companies and the small businesses as well, uh, simply because A, they can, and B, they're vulnerable, and uh, it's much harder to go after the enterprise, which has you know much larger budgets, much more experienced cybersecurity teams. Uh, and is a lot better protected. So I always equate this to if you're a burglar and you're walking down a street and there are two equal houses, but one has two Dobermans, a barbed wire fence, cameras, and an alarm system and, and bars on the windows, and one has the window open, where would you go? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what our attackers are doing. The bad guys are going after the people that it's uh, easiest to go and uh, grab. So granted, their ROI is lower on a per attack basis, but they have a lot more of these attacks that they can execute. And now they've automated everything. And with with uh, all of the automated tools that are out there, it's much easier for them to execute those attacks. And they're going after these uh, these mid-market and smaller organizations. And Jordan, so you're very effective at talking to those users because you told me last year you'd already signed up 4,500 of them, these mid-market folks, to use your tool. They were happy they're using it. Where are you today? How many paying customers? Uh, so it's triple that. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're up at like 13,500 paying customers. Wow. What drove most of that growth? Was it an outbound motion, inbound motion? What growth levers did you pull? So we actually have uh, three different motions uh, in parallel um, that uh, we're going to market with. One is a direct outbound. We have uh, a team in Chicago, very diligent, that is going out and engaging with uh, potential customers and bringing them on board. How many FTEs on that team? Um, a, to- a total of about 100. Wow, 100 on the outbound team. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. It's more like 80 because we, uh, I'm, I'm uh, mixing up uh, some of the direct uh, with, the, uh, with the channel. The second okay. one is, of course, the channel team. Yeah. Uh, so we are selling through uh, very, very good partnerships that we have with MSPs, with MSSPs, with VARs, with master agents. Uh, and they're also um, using us to open new doors where historically they couldn't sell cybersecurity into the market that we're selling because the offerings were too expensive and too complex and too labor intensive. And now that we've uh, removed these three barriers, they are able to go to market and offer a cybersecurity solution to their mid-market uh, customers as well. And the third is through what we call technology partnerships. We have a team that focuses on tech partners where basically we become the cybersecurity component of what they sell. Name one. So an example is a company called Comply Auto. They provide compliance software to the automotive industry. Uh, so now they also offer uh, security compliance. And that's really us. Uh, we are the underlying it. It's not white labeled. It's uh, um, co-branded, call it. So, so is Comply it's, Auto though bringing you the customers? Are you billing Comply Auto's customers directly? No, no. Comply Auto owns the relationship. Okay. The customer knows that they're using a core of product. We're okay. not hiding uh, that, but it's it's uh, it's a partnership. The ownership of the account, the ownership of the customer is Comply Auto. Uh, we're just providing that uh, cybersecurity engine to make sure that those uh, automotive customers are protected and are compliant with, in this case, uh, the GLBA safeguard rules that they're now supposed to uh, comply with. Does Comply Auto say, hey, Jor, we want a thousand seats here because that's what we think we can sell. You say, here's a bulk discount, and then they mark it up, whatever, 50% and then sell it to the end user. What's the revenue relationship there? What's the partnership agreement like? We don't disclose revenue relationships uh, in public, but basically Comply Auto sells a package to their customer. We have a relationship with Comply Auto where they get our product for a fixed fee per seat and how they mark it up or how they sell it to to their customers, their business. So the reason I'm asking this is what prevents Comply Auto from undercutting a customer that's going to sign up directly on Coro.net? They might see cheaper pricing on Comply Auto. 
We're not worried about that. We're not in the uh we're not competing with our partners in any way. We actually prefer that our partners win because from our perspective, you know, there is a much uh, a very strong uh sales multiplier when you're using partners. So we're not trying to uh compete with them on those customers. If the customer prefers to buy from Comply Auto, more power to them, more power to Comply Auto. We're very happy about that. Because their sales force is... If Comply Auto sells it though, like let's say your ACV, you told me last year is $2,700, right? So your website lists 2,700 bucks. But if Comply Auto lists the exact same thing at $1,000 for a year, basically your partners would effectively cannibalize your own direct revenue. You're saying you're okay with that? 100%. Okay, cool. And then how is that different from the VAR agreements or the channel, the channel team agreements? When you sign up a new channel partner, what is that relationship like? So very similar, we sell to our partners for a uh, discount of the MSRP and they mark it up and they add on top of it also their services. So for example, an MSP doesn't just sell product, they sell a service, they help manage the platform on on behalf of their customers. So from their perspective, their offering now is a lot more complete and what we can give the MSP beyond that margin or that... uh, you know, that uh, discount that they can, the haircut that they can get from it, they're actually getting a lot more from it because they are getting a new market open to them because now they can offer cybersecurity at a very reasonable cost to a customer uh, to whom they could have probably offered only antivirus in the past yeah. um, because yeah. the, the price points are just so difficult. And beyond the price point, maintaining a security stack is a very expensive thing from an HR perspective. And what we offer that customer, that MSP, that partner is the ability to offer a stack that manages pretty much itself because of the engines that we have. So there's a lot less work that a human needs to be doing. So we've removed more than 95% of the human element uh, through AI, through automation, through, um, so, the same team can now support a whole lot more customers from an MSP's perspective. So now I can go out and sell it at a very reasonable price. You're helping MSPs expand their margin. Absolutely. And expand yeah. their foothold within their existing customers. And, you know, in the MSP world, it's all about stickiness. Well, uh, share. Yeah. Yeah. That makes tons of sense. Have there been any drastic change? You told me last year, your average customer is paying about 230 bucks a month. Has that changed drastically, either up or down, or is it about the same? Yeah, it, it's changed significantly. So first of all, uh, with economics being what they are, we've raised our prices a little bit. So last time we spoke, our prices were at about, uh, I think it, they were about $6 per user. Now yeah. they're uh, at about uh, $8.99 per user. So yeah. that increased. But also, the size of our customers has grown uh, significantly. Um, so now we're seeing customers that are more in the 700 seat range. Uh, whereas, uh, when we last spoke, the range was more about uh, 150, 200, maybe. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so I guess what does that mean in terms of the average annual contract value? Like maybe it's now instead of 3,000, it's looking more like four or 5,000 on average per team. It's actually more like, uh, nine, 9,500. 9,500. Okay. Per team per year. Interesting. Do you have any million dollar accounts yet? Million dollar accounts? Well, right. if you look at our 
partners like uh, MSPs or master agents, then they would be considered well, okay, uh, yeah. seven digits uh, because they come with a bunch of seats. Uh, you know, they, they come with, you know, three, 4,000 seats, 10,000 seats sometimes. So those are big accounts. But as an individual account, the answer is no, because our focus is mid-market uh, and the mid-market, it, but the way we define it, is up to uh, 5,000 seats. So if you do the math at uh, $8 per user per month at 5,000, you'll never get uh, to a million. Yeah. You, but you we're not even eight. You, should, you should have half million dollar accounts here in the next year if you don't already. Yeah. So there are some accounts that are beginning to get to that point. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, now, help me understand. My math is wrong here. If I take 13,500 customers at an average 9,500 per year, that puts you at like $128 million in revenue. So that 9,500, I'm guessing that's not the average, right? Your average is lower than no, that. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There, there's a range. The, the, the average is, so we're tracking, like like every uh, SaaS company, we're tracking a rolling average of where the accounts are going. So um, the average it has been moving up over time as the customer size has been growing. Um, so if, if I'm looking at the last month, that's the average. If I'm looking at the average across the year, it's a little bit lower. I see. You're looking at average new signups last month are signing 9,500 annual contracts. Yeah, I see. I see. Now, help us understand growth because it's obviously important. It's really hard to grow right now. So I want to give you a lot of credit where you're growing. If you finish 2022 at your target of that $18 million run rate, now we're what, six, seven months into 2023. What is monthly recurring revenue today? So we don't, we don't disclose that publicly, but let's, let's say that we're on target to tripling our revenue this year. Uh, we beat our number in Q1. Q2 is shaping up to be, uh, so, so we obviously have a plan exactly of what needs to, uh, happen every quarter. So in Q1, uh, we beat our number by about, uh, 8%, which was a great thing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, this quarter looks like we're going to hit our number, um, again. Um, and the next two quarters, uh, there's no reason to believe we're not going to meet, uh, what we expect to, uh, hit. Just to understand your quarterly targets, if you finished last year at 18 million and you want to grow 300% on top of that, that would mean you need to add 36 million of net new ARR this year. If you divide that by four to get down to the quarterly numbers, you can sort of get to, I imagine, what your quarterly targets might look like. Um, I guess what outside of the three revenue channels or the three channels that you just described, um, I mean, why so aggressive? I mean, I know you raised an 80 million Series C and you told us that was around a 500 million valuation last year, but are you getting just tons of pressure from the board to grow at all costs? Actually, there's news on that front as well. We raised an additional 75 as a C2. Okay. Uh, so the total when raise was, was 150 uh, in April. Uh, of this year? Yes. So we've ra- we've completed or we've added, like, call it a C2, whatever you want to call it, a C uh, and uh, another 75, so a total of 155 in the last 12 months. Did you did you give the new investors at 75 million the same value, the 500 million valuation, the same valuation of the earlier folks? No, there was a little bit of uh, okay. uh, yeah, there was a uh, so so we're very uh, fortunate because our valuation has been growing, uh, whereas I'm sure you know that a lot of the valuations in the market have been going uh, the wrong direction. Uh, mainly because a lot of the valuations in, let's say, 2020 or 2019 were a little overpriced. Uh, so our valuation has been growing. So, um, the, the last valuation was about 20% higher, uh, 
than one a year ago that you knew about the 80 million. So call, call it 600 million for the second 75 million round, something like that. Very, was very that close to that, yes. Was that primary money or secondary? Primary. Okay, so it's on the balance sheet for operations. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's... uh Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And then, I mean, the reason I was going on this valuation train is there's a lot of founders at your same stage that I talked to that say, man, I, I wish I didn't raise it such a high valuation last year because now option grants are underwater. With 12 million in ARR, when you did your Series C, the first 80 million at a 500 post, that was a 41x multiple. Do you regret raising at such an aggressive, many people have gone aggressive multiple today? No, because we were able to raise again at a very aggressive multiple uh, this year. Um, and as long, look, the, uh, we are showing phenomenal growth, both ARR, customer base, uh, in every aspect of, uh, um, every KPI that we're measuring, we're showing, uh, phenomenal results. So from an investor perspective, you know, when you look at a company and you analyze a company and having been an investor, having been on the, you know, the dark side <laughs> of the VC world, I can tell you, you look at, you look at, uh, KPIs and, and that's how you make a decision. So when a company, despite the economic downturn that we're experiencing out there, despite everything that is going on, uh, in the market, uh, is able to show that kind of aggressive growth, uh, you understand that there is something unique about Coro. And, uh, and that's really you what's happening. Do, but your valuation multiple compressed. You didn't raise a second 75 million out of 41x multiple. It was like a 25x ish multiple based off my math. Yes, but it's still an amazing multiple considering yeah. that do, the numbers were worry in the market growing. today. Do you worry? I know, I, I agree. And that multiple is way higher than others at your stage that I'm seeing. I mean, do you, but I don't know that we, sh- I mean, you could brag about it, but I don't know if that's a good thing to brag about. I mean, do, do you worry about growing into that valuation? We don't think of it that way at all. We think that the valuation was very fair because valuation represents uh, the potential moving forward. And uh, as we've shown that we've grown in the year that has passed since the previous uh, the previous uh, fundraise, we've shown that we've, again, tripled our growth. Um, and this year, we're expecting to do the same. I think that uh, from an investor perspective, when you look at those kinds of KPIs, you're looking at the potential, the growth moving forward. And being that we were able to hit our quarterly um, commitments for 48, um, uh, 48 uh, months, for, uh, for 12, I'm sorry, for, for 12 quarters, 48 months, I meant, uh, yeah. for uh, 12 quarters uh, straight, um, it, it gives a lot of confidence to an investor. Uh, to come in and say, you know what, these guys know what they're doing yeah. uh, and they're executing. It's not a dream anymore. It's execution. And this is what the machine is all about right now. And those of you that missed the first interview with Jura a year ago, the company launched in 2014, raised a 1.5 seed, raised 5.5 Series A in 2016, and another 20 million Series B in 2018. So it's not like the, this wasn't a two-year overnight success thing. He's been at it. He's been consistent for almost 10 years cranking along, which is great. Help, drawer, help me understand that the team size today, how many full-time all in? Uh, just under 300. I think we're uh, 290 something. So we're about to hit the 300 number. How are you thinking about you? I mean, I imagine you raised 150 million over the past 12 months. I imagine, well, I'm guessing more than a hundred million is still in the bank. How are you thinking about using that cash in a, in a world where folks are cash poor sometimes? Can you go buy up competitors at cheap discounts? 
So that's a great point, uh, Nathan. So, so we're looking at, uh, the money being used in, uh, three different ways. Um, one, of course, increasing our R&D, uh, expenditure and making sure that we continuously invest in the product. Uh, two, investing in the go to market. So granted, I'm sure, you know, all of your listeners understand this kind of aggressive growth costs money and being that we're growing from a larger base the 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 300% growth is requires a lot of capital and three you're absolutely right we're definitely looking into uh potential acquisitions uh to increase our portfolio uh through acquisitions so both organic and inorganic that makes sense now do you still have over 100% net dollar retention yes uh, okay. we're at about 106. Okay. Yeah. It was 105 a year ago. So that's good. You've been able to hold that, which is nice. And then what are you willing to pay today to get a new customer that's paying you 10,000 a year? So normally our cost of acquisition is about eight months. Okay. Um, which is in line with what uh, the SaaS industry is, uh, is all about. So you'll spend seven, 8,000 bucks to get a 10,000, $12,000 a year customer. Yes, our lifetime value though is a lot, uh, a lot more than that because normally, uh, so, so the cohort that signed up with us in, uh, 2019 is still with us today. So, uh, so far we're running a four year, um, a four year lifespan and, uh, hopefully it's going to be even longer. So do you assume, and this is all sort of guessing, but do you imply a pro forma lifetime value of something like fifty, sixty thousand dollars on these accounts? At least 40, um, yeah. but um, most probably on the higher 40s. Yep, 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 yep. Very cool. What else? What else do you wish people like me asked you about, but you never get a chance to talk about? No, you always ask all the right questions, Nathan. It's been an incredible year for us, uh, and I'm extremely proud of the team. Uh, we've, uh, we've grown the team uh, tremendously. Um, and both, uh, we've, we have a massive office in Chicago right now. This is where our sales center is. So we have, uh, well over 200 people just there. Um, and, uh, it's an amazing team. I mean, we just moved to a new office. We took over an entire floor in a building. It's, it's really great as a founder to see that kind of, uh, development. Um, and when I show up, you know, sometimes it's kind of weird because, as uh, as a founder, you show up and there's a whole bunch of new faces, um, and uh, it, it's heartwarming, but also very strange not not to know everybody. So, if we want to host a big SaaS open in Chicago, and we were going to bring 300 founders with more than you know five million in ARN all together, we can use your place to host it for a small fee, for sure. <laughs> there, there's the sales guy. All right, Jordan, let's wrap up here with the famous with the famous five. Number one, your favorite book. Oh my! Um, what is uh, my favorite book now? I, I have to say, it's still uh, it's still the tipping point. Tipping point number two is there a CEO you're following or studying? Still Elon Musk. Despite all the controversy, I think the man is a genius, and uh, despite every strange aspects of both his behaviors and some of his decisions, I still think the man is uh, is somebody to be reckoned with. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Coro? 
Oh, wow. There are so many. We're heavy users of Monday these days, and it really helps keep everybody together, uh, especially when we're across geographies, across time zones. And number five, how many hours of sleep are you getting? On average, four a night. That drawer, come on, that's not healthy. Uh, that's uh, I'm I'm naturally I'm an insomniac, so it's not just okay. because of Coro. It's because I am an insomniac. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. And uh, situation, married, single kiddos. Oh yeah, I'm very much married. Has have been married for the same with the same uh, wonderful, wonderful woman since 1990. So wow, and two kids, right? And two kids. You're absolutely right. Okay. And I think you had a birthday. You're 54 now. I am actually turning 55 next month. Oh, very good. Okay. So I must have caught you on the back end of your 53. So, okay. So yeah. 54 now, 55 coming up. Happy early birthday. Last thing, something you wish you knew when you were 20. Uh, invest early. <laughs> I think That's I said cool. that last time. Had I known what I know today about investing and creating wealth, uh, I would have, uh, I would have done it. Coro is all-in-one cyber security folks that help you get up to speed quickly, serving over 13,500 mid-market customers. They just broke uh, 18 million bucks in AR as of the end of 2022, hoping to 300% grow that 300% this year, which means they would need to add about, uh, was that about $36 million of new AR? He says they're on track to do that. They just raised another uh, Series C plus, we'll call it 75 million bucks at around a 600 million valuation. His team is growing, a lot of talent, 297 folks with concentration up there in Chicago as they look to continue to scale across their three key channels. Drawer, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you very much, Nathan. Always a pleasure to be uh, with you, speaking with you.